0: Yes, hello. Welcome to the Ultra Culture Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to be cutting through the underbrush. Uh, why don't you join me? We're, we're going to go out and uh, hack our way through the forest here. And what I mean by that is, you know, you've... heard me talk about magic a lot, obviously, and you've heard tons of other people talk about magic a lot. Uh, one thing that you don't hear people talk about very much is the pitfalls along the way of magic. And there's, there's kind of two types that I'm going to address here. One is the pitfalls that prevent you from ever beginning to study magic at all, the myths about it that keep people away from it. And the other one is mistakes people make when they're on the path. So I wanna take this episode and address both of these. So we're gonna talk about the four myths of magic, and we're gonna talk about the seven mistakes that people make in magic. So the four myths are the myths that keep people away from magic and keep them from ever taking that adventure at all. And the seven mistakes are the mistakes that people make once they're on the path. It's my hope that this helps clear up confusion and uh, put some, you know, put some, some heavy duty lights on the path and, and assist you in navigating it. Obviously all of the material here is drawn, not, I'm not just pulling it out of the air. All of this material is drawn from personal experience and often very frustrating and painful uh, personal experience. So if, uh, if my mistakes can be of help to other people and assist them in, in in getting there quicker than I did, then I'll be happy. My work here will be done. Obviously, as part of this, I'm talking quite a lot about magic.me, M-A-G-I-C-K dot which is my school for magic, meditation, and mysticism, where you can learn all of this stuff as easily as possible, Uh, I've laid it out clearly, step by step. We hold your hand every step of the way and guide you in mastering spiritual practice. That includes everything from hermeticism to chaos magic, astral travel, lucid dreaming, I Ching, tarot, and basically all of these tools that are there for one reason, and really one reason alone. And that's for you to discover your true calling in life, your true purpose, to help you to become the person that you know deep down in your soul you are capable of becoming and that we can all too often get distracted from becoming by the 10,000 things that life throws at us to kind of keep us away from ourselves. Magic is all about self-initiation. That's what magic.me is. It's about you reclaiming yourself. Please hold that in mind. Keep that, as you listen to these, just keep in mind clearly that the point of magic is to discover your true purpose, to discover your true will. Strive to hold that in mind. This is about me discovering who I really am and what I need to do in this life. What is my special contribution that I'm here to give? We all have a contribution we're here to make. That's what it's about. As long as you can keep that in mind, you won't get lost in the weeds You won't, and and you will see As I often put it, the magic eye painting clearly. If you've ever looked at one of those magic eye paintings and you kind of, you know, if you kind of cross your eyes funny, you can see a 3D image emerge. Magic is like that, you know, magic eye paintings very much demonstrate the true nature of magic. But if you can just keep that master key in mind, it's about self-knowledge, it's about self-realization, then you will have a clear path through this very exciting and adventurous field of study. All right, so let's get into it. So, the four myths of magic. Magic is the art of defining reality, and reality is defined by stories. Stories we tell ourselves about who we are, about who other people are, about what history is, about what the future will be. Most people have a story, and they're sticking to it. Even if it's a bad story, one that produces a bad quality of life, they'll likely defend it with their life, rather than go through the uncertainty of changing it. A magician, on the other hand, is somebody who understands that the world is made of stories, and has learned that by changing their own story, they can change their life, maybe even the boundaries of reality itself. So, lesson one. The first story a budding magician must learn to change is the story their culture has sold them about magic itself. Our culture buries magic under a giant heap of fear and shame. Bad stories about how it's evil, dangerous, not real, juvenile, or even anti-science. That's because magic leads to individuals thinking for themselves and defining their lives as they like. And that just ruins everything, doesn't it? As long as you accept these bad stories, they're going to be real for you. if you change these stories for yourself, reality will change accordingly. In this way, the fear of magic itself represents the first dragon to be slain in the great grail quest of initiation. How helpful of this dragon to present itself in order to aid us in developing our magic skills. Remember, Belief helps shape reality. Belief might not change the laws of physics, but it will change how we perceive, compartmentalize, react to, and act upon the material facts of life and the universe. That means that our beliefs are almost wholly responsible for our lives. The steering mechanism, if you like. Change your focus. Change your reality. With that in mind, here are four myths. Bad stories. About magic. a young magician must overcome and replace with good stories. Story number one, it's not real. The primary misunderstanding that people have about magic is that it is imaginary and made up and therefore without value. The magician replies, why yes, of course magic is imaginary. Magic is the science of imagination. A magician understands that everything that has ever come into existence, everything that has built the world we live in, whether it's great art or the political structure of society or even atomic bombs, has existed first in the imagination, second in the physical world. Everything humanity has ever done has begun as inspiration, dream, and fantasy, and then has been manifested from mind into matter through hard work and trial and error experiment. So, yes. Magic is imaginary, the gods are imaginary, spirits are imaginary, chakras, energy meridians, and psychic phenomena are imaginary. But what else is imaginary? Your reputation is imaginary, your story about what happened to you in the past is imaginary, the future you think you will experience is imaginary, love and lust are imaginary, anger, hate, resentment, and jealousy are imaginary, brands, social hierarchies, and ideologies are imaginary. None of these things exist in any measurable way as anything except intangible imagination, and yet they utterly control our lives, for better or worse. You cannot see, hear, or touch them. They exist purely as clusters of thought and emotional resonance. But people live, die, and kill for them every single day because most of these imaginary constructs are shared between individuals and are therefore as important as the physical world, or perhaps even more important. To become a magician, a simple leap is required. One must understand that the imagination is real on its own plane. That is, that it is simply a subtler gradation of reality, the part of reality you can't touch. We understand that the gods, angels, demons, spirits, and truly anything that the mind can conceive is quote-unquote real within the world of the imagination and can be interacted with on its own plane. Magic is a set of tools for doing just that and for manifesting imaginary events as real world genius, intuitive leaps, and potentially world-changing ideas and creations. Magic.me's courses make this plainly clear. They show you that magic is the key to unlocking your imagination and that your imagination is the key to unlocking reality. The human race has proven over and over again that there are no limits to what it can do. Whatever we can imagine, given the right effort, tools, and time invested, we can achieve. And magic is the key to unlocking the fountainhead of inspiration itself, The beginning of the entire process of manifestation. Since the imagination is where we have gotten everything we value in life, everything that has let us overcome the hardships of physical reality, and everything that makes life worth living, don't you think we should get better at navigating and working with it? Magic myth number two, it's evil. Okay, this is an easy one. Magical and pagan systems have been reviled and called evil for a couple of thousand years, at least. So, why is that? Magic has frightened people in the past because it gives people a significant amount of both power and responsibility. Instead of giving dictates about what reality is and exact laws to follow, magic gives you tools and says, experiment and find out what works for you, what's true for you, what's beautiful for you. This requires work and it requires individual integrity, and most just aren't ready for that. For most, it's easier to dismiss and attack magic than it is to examine the parts of themselves that they aren't comfortable with. Carl Jung's oft-repeated concept of the shadow is particularly useful here. The shadow is the part of ourselves that's generally speaking made up of all the things we don't like about ourselves, that we've labeled unacceptable and that we've buried. When people repress their shadow instead of working on it and with it in order to achieve greater psychological integrity and wholeness, they tend to project it. Practically speaking, that means that when somebody hates something about themselves, they tend to see that trait or complex in other people, and then will try to criticize it or destroy it in those other people. All you have to do is turn on the news or go on social media or, frankly, read any part of world history in any time in any place to see this deadly mechanism at work. Historically, this is the primary driver behind events like witch burnings and the Inquisition. People just don't like to be shaken up. They don't like to be reminded of their own laziness. And so they attack. So, look past the shadow projections. Magic is not evil. It's simply a tool. It can be used correctly or incorrectly. Those who do magic must take upon themselves responsibility for their own actions, just as those who drive cars must as well. Magic.me is magic for responsible mature adults. Magic.me does not offer any harmful or negative material whatsoever. But we also don't dumb the material down or treat our students like children, as so many unfortunately do. What's on offer is the full toolkit of magic, and we show you how to use it for the best possible reason, which is to further your own spiritual development. But it's left to you how best to do this because magic is just never the same for any two people. It's wholly dependent on the background, time, inclination, and circumstances of each individual magician. All right, magic myth number three it's juvenile. All right, well, let's face it. A lot of magic can be juvenile, like an elaborate game of Renaissance fair style dress-up and play-acting. Or just simply unhelpful superstition. However, that's just a distraction. Real magic is one of the most advanced systems of thought in the world. The natural activity, if you'll permit me, of Promethean geniuses. You may or may not have heard of the American transpersonal philosopher Ken Wilber, He's a very interesting individual who's spent decades studying Hermeticism, Zen, Advaita Vedanta, Tibetan Buddhism, and many of the world's other esoteric spiritual traditions. Wilbur has an incredibly helpful way of untangling the difference between silly, pre-rational magical thinking and the transpersonal states that come with serious spiritual practice. He calls his model the pre-trans fallacy. The model looks like this. first. Mankind's earliest modes of thinking were characterized by magical and mythic literalism in which people held superstitious views about reality or literally believed in the existence of sky gods. This kind of worked for people, but not particularly well. Next, as history progressed... Magical and mythic worldview was replaced by the rational, modern, and finally postmodern modes of thought, in which all magical and mythic thinking was discarded in favor of reason, the scientific method, democracy, progressive humanism, and so on. This worked a lot better, but kind of left people feeling empty inside, as within this worldview, series of worldviews, the universe was just reduced to being kind of a machine. So finally, bringing it up to where we are now, many brave and and often isolated individuals are now progressing past the postmodern stage of development into transpersonal consciousness. The path to which is shown by spiritual traditions like Advaita Vedanta, Vajrayana Buddhism, Sufism, or in my little corner of the world, the Western Esoteric tradition, aka hermetic magic transpersonal states are marked by a sense of being more than just a body, of being interconnected with all life, of seeing through the quote-unquote game of phenomenal reality and many other heightened or enlightenment-style states of varying levels of duration and usefulness. In such advanced states, the idea of magic returns. But it's not superstitious magic, as in, I'm going to stick some pins in a potato and see if I can ruin somebody's day. Instead, it's magic as in, I am an individual expression of the totality of the universe, and therefore my words, deeds, and choices can positively affect the entirety of the universe. Now, here's the thing individuals who are still in the rational, modern, or postmodern stages of development can't tell the difference between pre rational states and trans rational states. To them, superstitious beliefs look exactly the same as transpersonal awareness and they're liable to lump all of it together as, say it with me now, juvenile new age nonsense. So this is the pre-trans fallacy. Now add to this the fact that many people reaching towards transpersonal states also often can't tell the difference between pre-rational and trans-rational modes of consciousness, and add to that, (laughs) <laughs> as if we needed more, the fact that books on both pre- and transrational awareness are sold in the same section of the bookstore. And, and then add even more to that, the fact that pre-rational shamanism can be, and often is, actually easily used as a mode of expression by somebody in transrational awareness. And as a result of all of that, we're left with some truly confusing territory. So what we have... Is humanity's greatest hope for evolution, transrational awareness, or enlightenment consciousness, if you just want to make it more simple and understandable? Humanity's greatest hope for evolution, mixed together with superstition and wishful or primitive thinking. Because to rational, modern, or postmodern consciousness, it's all simply that weird stuff that makes you and I pioneers outside of culture's comfort zone with no clear guides. But hey, it's an adventure. Magic.me tackles this issue head-on by clearly focusing on trans-rational awareness and showing you how to get there. In a way, this is the entire point of Magic.me and of my own personal work in general. That is, to show what's of value in magic and leave aside all that's not, so that you can get to where you're going without taking wrong turns. Okay, finally. Magic myth number four. This is a big one. It's anti-science. Okay, so. There is. At present, and there has been for quite some time, a huge culture war between religion and science. It's been bitterly fought on both sides over issues like creationism versus evolution, along with many, many others that you can see erupting in the headlines practically every day. Magic, on the other hand, occupies a kind of third position in this battle. Religion sweeps magic aside because it breaks the rules, and and magic kind of shows people how to make spiritual meaning in their own way instead of relying on a priest class, and that's, of course, bad for business for the priest class, so they, of course, tarnish magic as evil. On the other hand, science dismisses magic because it just flat out considers all of its claims laughable, unproven, nonsensical, and beneath contempt. Okay, I think that's pretty straightforward. However, both of these perspectives completely miss the mark. The truth is this. Magic is the parent tradition of both of them, of both religion and science. It was the original tribal shamans who had the mad, wild, visionary experiences that were later codified into one-truth religions, sterilized and made cut and dry for the masses. Priests are the ones who capitalize on the original work done by shamans. And it was the alchemists who gave birth to science. Materialist science being only a tiny subset of the grand alchemical project to understand all of reality. Science is only the part of alchemy that is concerned with how matter operates. It has forgotten that its parent tradition has far greater horizons and wished to understand the laws of all nature, including the laws of the spirit and of the soul. This is the true science that men like Isaac Newton, Giordano Bruno, and even Albert Einstein were deeply engaged in. Magic is the only way to glyph the sum of all human curiosity. It is what happens when people seek to confront and understand reality head on, without any preconceptions, in order to understand life as a whole. And this is how magic.me teaches magic, head on. We give you the tools and we show you how to use them but we don't tell you what to believe. We show you how to discover your own meaning so that you can undertake the heroic voyage of exploring reality for yourself and make your own meaning, just like the shamans and alchemists that have come before you. So let these four tips help you slay the dragon of fear and claim the magic that is your birthright. A new magical renaissance awaits us. Okay, so now that we've covered the four myths that keep people away from magic. Let's talk about the seven biggest mistakes people make when they begin learning magic. Magic is a very strange hobby. If you're like me, you've probably been drawn to it for lofty reasons. You want to understand the universe and your place in it. You want answers to the questions of life, the universe, and everything, not just secondhand faith in somebody else's proclamations. You want a heightened sense of personal dignity, integrity, and power to achieve the goals that matter to you the most. You want to know your true purpose in life, your true will. And most of all, you want enchantment. You want to live an enchanted life, one in which you can immerse yourself in wonders and mysteries and experience intensity that people who are checked out in front of their phones or TV screens probably never will. You want a heightened reality or even to quest for absolute reality itself. So, for any of these questions or more, you step into the Circus of Magic. You might spend time browsing occult websites or visiting a New Age bookstore. You might buy a workbook or two and try the exercises. You might join a society like Freemasonry, a Wiccan coven, or even a meetup group, and begin to meet others in your community with similar questions. As you do this, you will slowly be leaving the consensus trance, the one created by the daily ritual of commute, job, consume, television. And you'll find yourself in a new trance, one defined by ideas of magic, personal possibility, awakening, new group dynamics, alternative life paths. You'll likely encounter a lot of incredibly inspiring ideas and also, unfortunately, a lot of disempowering ideas and beliefs. Here's a useful way to think about it. Mainstream society is a program designed to work the best it can, which sometimes is not great, but still the best it can, for the widest number of people possible. Generally speaking, that means good, decent people who are happy to live quiet, decent lives and content themselves with the victories of career, family, health, happiness, and just making it through another day. And that's a beautiful thing. Outside of mainstream society, however, you will find a very different reality. The wild lands of modern civilization. It's denizens for one reason or another don't feel satisfied by consensus reality. That could be because they're ahead of the curve or it could be because they're far behind the curve. That makes the wild lands an exciting and dangerous place. The wild lands are where society puts the ideas that are too disruptive of its daily activities for better or worse. The strange ideas, the discredited ideas, the untested ideas, and sometimes the potentially liberating ideas. Magic is one of those ideas, or rather a gigantic cluster of ideas, a memeplex if you will. Because those ideas haven't been well tended to by society, they're kind of a wild mess. This is one of the reasons I created Magic.me, because I really believe in the value of this material, and I wanted to properly curate and present it so that it's clear and succinct, and people can actually see past the glamour and the propaganda, the spooky image that people have put on Magic. So, as somebody who's done some advanced scouting, please allow me to guide you through the territory, so that you can avoid the seven biggest mistakes that people make when learning Magic. I've made them all here they are. Number one, poorly defined goals. What do you want? It's a simple question, but most who enter the world of magic and alternative spirituality never actually ask it or never fully define the answer. As a result, they're caught up in the dazzling lights of the new age pinball machine and bounced around between experiences, groups, and teachers, never finding themselves or getting to their core issues and drives you need to ask this question up front. What do you want? Do you want greater creative skill and power? Do you want to fix a trauma or personal challenge? Are you willing to give up everything and seek enlightenment? Or do you just really want to understand exactly who you are and what your place in this world is? Whatever that goal is, you need to define it now. And then ask yourself if magical means are really the answer, or if maybe something more mundane, simple, and straightforward uh, might be a lot easier. Be clear on this or you kind of really risk getting caught up in the glamour of magic and consequently forgetting that magic is just a tool. And honestly, it's only one tool of many, many, many that are available to you. This is a point I continually return to in my writing, in my podcasting, and at magic.me. Magic is a tool. Why are you using it? Only you can answer that question, but you need to answer it. Okay, number two mistake that people make, staying in the shallows. Magic is a giant buffet table. Thanks to the shrinking of the world by global communications, you'll find material from every world faith and esoteric path readily available to you just a few clicks away. Uh, You've got Hermeticism, Golden Dawn, Thalema, Yoga, Vedanta, Vajrayana Buddhism, Sufism, NLP. The list is honestly limited only by the demand of the New Age marketplace for the next big kick. Just a hundred years ago, in some cases just a few decades ago, all of these subjects would have been uh, really pretty hard to discover information on. You wouldn't have been able to just pop down to Barnes & Noble or go on Amazon and have it all handed to you. And in all cases, once you discover the entry to a path, you would be confronted with a teacher who would explain that the path was the work of a lifetime. As it is. That puts modern seekers in a unique position. We don't lack access, but what we do often lack is commitment to a path. Most likely students will browse here and there, reading on a wide variety of paths, or even joining several groups in sequence. This is an incredible way to learn quickly. However, if the buffet table approach takes the place of deep committed learning in one path or tradition, what happens unfortunately for so many people is they just kind of get to the edge of their comfort zone in one path and they get right to that moment where they need to get out of that comfort zone. They need to make that leap uh, and uh, they flinch and jump to another path so they can start that process all over again, again, only coming to the edge of their, you know, their comfort zone, their, their sense of, you know, that moment where they really have to critically look at themselves, to be honest. And, and that's often too much for people. So they just repeat this again and again. And ironically, this probably takes more time than sticking to one path, at least until you reach that path's completion stages. Cause at that point, then you can begin to assess other paths, but only after you've really completed one. So this is a mistake that quite a lot of people make and which prevents their progress. However, there's a, there's an, an opposite mistake to this. If you go in the complete opposite direction and become a quote unquote path zealot, you will make the third mistake, which is thinking there is one true path. So once you've experienced peak states or personal breakthroughs in a system, it's easy to generalize. You say something like, this is absolutely incredible. Everybody should do this. Everyone should experience this. Now, if you're not careful, you can easily become a missionary talking nonstop about whatever it was that you experienced, trying to get your friends or family into whatever practice caused the peak state or breakthrough or even at the high registers of Kool-Aid intoxication, thinking that you have found the one true path, and that all other paths are lesser or even diluted. People can stay stuck in this state for days, weeks, months, years, even their whole life. And it tends to be a blockage to progress. It's a classic behavior of an individual with a weak sense of self. Deep down, they feel themselves to be inferior or lesser than others, so they place all their focus on an all-consuming ideology or charismatic leader that they derive strength and self-worth from serving. If this sounds like an obvious trap, and one you, of course, would never fall for, think again, because history is littered with incredibly intelligent, confident people who never thought they would fall for the one true path. And the one true path, disease, I probably don't need to point out to you, has been responsible for a lot of history's greatest tragedies, including the Third Reich or the many historical genocides committed by overzealous religious missionaries that worked to convert by sword. So if your path is the one true path, it's time to leave your cloistered room or insular community and experience what life is like for others of different faiths and life backgrounds. Make some new friends. Magic.me takes a twofold approach to solving the above two issues. First, it completely severs form from function, there's no ideology to defend here. The old secret society or religious in-group model is dispensed with as a relic of the pre-internet age. That means that there are no hierarchies to enforce, no secrets to hold back, no group dynamics to be managed. And I like it that way. Magic.me isn't a group, thank God. It's just a website with videos and information on it that you can use to educate yourself at your own pace. No extra group weirdness needed at all. Without this high social overhead, Students are free to do exactly what they come to do at magic.me. Learn magic and nothing else. No group, no ideology, nothing to fight for or against. And yes, I'm the teacher, so I guess you could call me the charismatic figurehead. At least I hope I'm charismatic. But when you close your computer, when you shut down your computer, you close your laptop lid, or or you turn off your phone, I go away. And that's that's that. Secondly, the other approach we take to solving the one true path issue uh, is I've I've taken a page from the Chaos Magic playbook and condensed the best core techniques from as broad of a range of systems as possible. The result is serious core training that will stand you in good stead no matter what you do. So think of magic.me as boot camp. You'll get well-versed in serious meditation, ritual, astral work, divination, and lots more. Once you find yourself making real progress in skills rather than ideology, you'll hopefully see through the path game and get closer to the truth, which is that magic is really about the commitment you make to yourself in the daily practice of core skills. It's just like going to the gym. It's not about belief. It's not about the belief systems that these skills have been wrapped around uh, throughout history. It's just about practicing the techniques. Okay, mistake number four. That would be developing an us versus them mentality. Because people who are into magic and alternative spirituality are often on the fringes, it's easy to adopt belief systems that reinforce an oppressed identity or an us versus them story. This becomes a particularly acute problem when the magic that people are doing isn't working or not producing a particularly good quality of life. And instead of changing the behaviors or beliefs that aren't working, people create a narrative in which some other individual or group is keeping them down. This is, of course, where we get um, uh, all of these beloved conspiracy theories from. And at the end of the day, these are stories about why failure is okay. They're stories about why it's okay to be powerless because somebody or other is working against you. Ironically, what people tend to actually be doing is projecting their own power and then completely divorcing themselves from it and acting as if that power is oppressing them when actually it's them doing it all along. So, unfortunately, these stories about why failure is okay can quickly blossom and cross-pollinate Becoming wide-scale conspiracy theories potent enough to infect whole cultures, leaving disempowerment, misery, and even, in some extremely unfortunate cases, genocide in their wake. Examples of this include, The Illuminati are out to get me because I have secret knowledge. Or, Shapeshifting reptilians, slash archons, slash evil spirits, slash Satan, slash Walmart, etc. Are controlling reality, and they don't like me. Or, I'm way too enlightened, slash edgy, slash intense, slash just too real for mainstream society to handle. Or, this particularly pernicious one, I'm a light worker charged with battling the dark forces, and the dark forces are in control. So, do you happen to have any of these beliefs, or maybe similar ones? Let's take a look. What's the underlying message of all of them? personal significance. Me, me, me. All of these scripts allow for personal significance through failure. They all allow you to be a complete fuck up and to simultaneously have the illusion of winning. They are all poison. Jettison them immediately and instead focus on your personal growth and happiness and how you can be of service to the people around you. Magic.me circumvents this problem by, again, divorcing ideology from practical skills. There is no overarching narrative presented with the skills taught. That is for you to decide or create. It's just the raw tools. No religious stories. No conspiracy theories. No woo. Just the techniques. I give them to you, you can do them, and you can see what happens. Either they work for you, they make your life better, they make you a happier, healthier person or they don't. Okay. Mistake number five. You probably saw this one coming. Substance abuse. Yes, let's talk about this. Okay. Drugs and magic have been linked since the very first prehistoric shaman chewed some strange bark or fungus that let her talk to the spirits of the forest. And the spirits of the forest turned out to have some pretty useful stuff to say. In recent times, magicians like Alistair Crowley, William S. Burroughs, Terence McKenna, Carlos Castaneda, and others have really hyped up the spiritual potential of psychedelics and even harder substances. Some of them have also fallen prey to addiction and the extremely destructive behaviors that come with the disease of addiction. This is one of the major reasons why magic has been so discredited. It allows people to say, yeah, but you were just high, or to look at the addiction behaviors of people like Crowley and attribute them to magic instead of their true source, which is the drug addiction itself. Drugs may be a fast route to altered states, but they are not a sustainable one. In our current moment of world economic crisis, instability, and uncertainty, which shows no signs of slowing down anytime soon, I highly suggest that magicians don't really have the time or luxury of drug use. We need to be sharp and on point like Navy SEALs, not deadheads. Remember, the baby boomer generation could burn decades in some cases with drug experimentation because it was the richest, most financially secure generation in history. That is not the case for millennials, it is not the case for Zoomers, and it is not the case for anyone younger. The world reality that we're in right now is a live fire situation. It is a war zone and you don't dull your edge or disorient yourself in a war zone. By the way, just to loop back to an earlier mistake, the war zone is not actually an us versus them situation. It's kind of a free for all. As everyone's scrambling to survive the challenges created by the acceleration of technology, the growth of the human population, the collapse of the environment, and many other attendant issues. Magic.me not only teaches magic from a drug-free perspective, but it offers techniques that are better than drugs for getting reliably, safely, and legally high. For instance, yoga and pranayama. Okay, mistake number six. That would be trying to be the best magician instead of the best you. When overachiever types get into magic, they try to learn every single aspect of it and become a total and formidable master. Look, there's no such thing as mastery. Leave this archetype in the Saturday morning cartoons that it came from. Remember, magic is just a tool. Know your goal and use the tool to achieve your goal. Of course, it doesn't have to be so linear. You may simply be seeking the regular, sustainable spiritual growth that comes from a consistent practice of meditation, dreamwork, journaling, yoga, ritual, and any other tool you have chosen to use. In which case, wonderful. The key here is, it's not a competition. There's no prize other than becoming more yourself. Magic.me solves this problem by, again, dropping the pompous fashion show aspects that come from group magical work and group hierarchy. There is a group forum providing the much-needed community aspects of magic, but there are no degrees, ranks, or any of the other superfluous crap that magic inherited from the old Masonic Lodge structure and which unfortunately has so often become a rank-pissing match. Just the facts here, ma'am. Just the skills. Take them or leave them. Practice them and get better at them or don't. So, finally, mistake number seven, and this is perhaps the biggest mistake of all, giving your power away. So, particularly as a young and untested magician, you'll likely be confronted with situations or people that tempt you to surrender your power. Whether it's an autocratic or abusive guru, a regimented and controlling magical order, or even a tightly controlling ideology, you might be tempted or even frightened into surrendering control of your life in exchange for some tangible or intangible reward. If you do this, get ready for a painful learning experience. Though it can sometimes be easy to forget, you are the true magician. The true master of your reality. This is where Magic.me, I believe, truly shines as a, forgive me, disruptive technology. Simply put, while at present, I'm the one on screen teaching, Magic.me was designed to completely destroy the old group charismatic leader dynamic, point by point. Magic.me exists to liberate magic from small, controlling groups of individuals that try to make magic MY PRECIOUS, and instead, let anybody access it, anonymously, without needing to join a group or submit to any form of authority. Instead of this, classes are presented simply as instructional material. They can be viewed by anybody, with no obligations made outside of the obligation you make to, say, Netflix, in getting a subscription. That's it. No group silliness, hierarchies, or charismatic leader antics. That is, nothing stopping you from simply learning the material just like it was plumbing or video production, applying it to your life, and constantly reminding yourself that you are the great magician. In order to fully illustrate this point, I'd really like to include a story here from the author John Fowles, who kindled my early teenage interest in testing the nature of reality. This is from his 1965 novel, The Magus, which I I recommend by the way. Here's John Fowles. Once upon a time, there was a young prince who believed in all things but three. He did not believe in princesses. He did not believe in islands. He did not believe in God. His father, the king, told him that such things did not exist. As there were no princesses or islands in his father's domains and no sign of God, the prince believed his father. But then, one day, the prince ran away from his palace and came to the next land. There, to his astonishment, from every coast he saw islands, and on these islands strange and troubling creatures whom he dared not name. As he was searching for a boat, a man in full evening dress approached him along the shore. Are those real islands? asked the young prince. Of course they're real islands, said the man in evening dress. And those strange and troubling creatures? They are all genuine and authentic princesses. Then God must also exist, cried the prince. I am God, replied the man in evening dress with a bow. The young prince returned home as quickly as he could. So, you're back, said his father, the king. I've seen islands, I've seen princesses, I've seen God said the prince reproachfully. The king was unmoved. Neither real islands nor real princesses nor a real god exist. I saw them. Tell me how God was dressed. God was in full evening dress. Were the sleeves of his coat rolled back? The prince remembered that they had been. The king smiled. That is the uniform of a magician. You have been deceived. At this, the prince returned to the next land and went to the same shore, where once again he came upon the man in full evening dress. My father, the king, has told me who you are, said the prince indignantly. You deceived me last time, but not again. Now I know that those are not real islands and real princesses because you're a magician. The man on the shore smiled. It is you who are deceived, my boy. In your father's kingdom there are many islands and many princesses, but you are under your father's spell, so you cannot see them. The prince pensively returned home. When he saw his father, he looked him in the eye. Father, is it true that you are not a real king, but only a magician? The king smiled and rolled back his sleeves. Yes, my son, I am only a magician. Then the man on the other shore was God. The man on the other shore was another magician. I must know the truth, the truth beyond magic. There is no truth beyond magic, said the king. The prince was full of sadness, he said. I will kill myself. The king, by magic, caused death to appear. Death stood in the door and beckoned to the prince. The prince shuddered. He remembered the beautiful but unreal islands and the unreal but beautiful princesses. Very well, he said. I can bear it. You see, my son, said the king, you too now begin to be a magician.